So we're reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, page 1173 in your Bibles. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, who were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Thank you, Shirley. And great to see you, everyone, on this warm night. Please do keep your Bible open there on page 1173. Um, and just so you know, uh, if you happen to find yourself stuck in some sunlight uh, or needing a drink, please feel free to move around uh, or grab a drink from the back. Feel no awkwardness about that at all over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, don't want anyone wilting in the heat. And well done for being here. Uh, here's a question to get us started. What do you love to talk about? Uh, something you're so passionate about, you just can't stop yourself blabbing about it. Uh, the words just spill out of you. Do you have something like that? There's a game called uh, Just a Minute. Uh, I think it started as a, oh, are my slides on here, by the way? I should ask. Okay, they're maybe, they're maybe coming. Um, well, there's a game called Just a Minute. It, it started life as a radio show, I think, there it is. Um, but it's not a game where someone gives you a random topic, let's say uh, they give you the topic cabbages, and you have to spend a minute talking about cabbages without repeating yourself or hesitating, pausing, uh, or, or veering off topic. Now, it turns out that's quite tricky, uh, especially if someone gives you a topic like cabbages. How can I fill up a whole minute talking about cabbages of all things? But imagine you're playing this game and you get a topic you just absolutely love to speak about. And the words 
just tumble out of you. You barely pause for breath. Minute passes, and you just keep on going. Well, that gives us a flavor for what we've got here. Because in Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul cannot stop himself blabbing. It's hidden in our Bibles, but in the original Greek, verses 3 to 14 is one long sentence, as if Paul thinks about his favorite topic, and the words just spill out of him. Praise, is that it? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us according to his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth in Christ. In him we were also chosen according to the uh, pleasure plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we Jews who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory and you Gentiles were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you were marked in him when you believed with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. <sighs> well, that's, that's Paul. He can't, he can't stop himself. Um, that was maybe more than, than just a minute, um, maybe. And tonight and the next three Sundays, we're going to dig into Paul's massive run-on sentence. I hope you really enjoy it, because those of us who are Christian believers tonight, it's like Paul says to us, do you want to know your story? Now, in this room, each of us will have unique, different stories, uh, where we're from, how we got here, what we're doing, uh, very different stories. And that kind of diversity is brilliant. Uh, we love hearing each other's differing stories. But according to Paul, all Christians have one shared story. Whatever our differences, we have this story in common. It spans from eternity past to eternity future. It tells of how we've gone from rags to riches. Above all, it says we've received amazing grace. And the surprise is that in our shared story, we are not the main character. Our story as Christian believers is most shaped by another, the one Paul names 15 times in these 14 verses, Christ Jesus. And the reason this story is our story is because we belong to him. Like Paul says over and over, we are in Christ. That's why we've called this series Union with Christ. Union with Christ, that might be a, a confusing phrase for us, but Paul would say, if you want to know your story, then listen up these next few Sundays and find out what it means for you to be united to Christ, joined to Him, connected to Him. Because whatever our different stories, this eternity to eternity, rags to riches, amazing grace story is our story in Him. Two things. I'm hoping we'll come out of our, our times together 
the next few weeks. First, I hope that we'll be reassured of our identity. Uh, I've left my copy down there, but Andrew Bunt has written a, a good little book called Finding Your Best Identity. Uh, questions, who am I? Um, how should I think of myself? Questions we increasingly struggle with. We know all sorts of things make us the people we are, some less significant things, color of my hair, uh, whether I take milk in my tea or not. But when it comes to our core identity, who I am at the deepest level, uh, things are hard. It's what Andrew in his book calls my controlling self-understanding, who I understand myself to be most deeply. And he says that's controlling because how I see myself will shape, control how I live. Now, among us, there will be a range of things. Maybe your controlling self-understanding is I'm a waste of space. Uh, I, I'm worthless because of how shamefully you've been treated um, or because of how you've treated someone else. Maybe your controlling self-understanding is I'm a success, uh, at least when work is going well uh, and the exam grades are good. Those things change and your identity could shift completely. Or maybe your controlling self-understanding is I am my sexuality. That's certainly the direction our culture would push us in at the moment, that the most defining thing about you is your sexual desires, whatever they happen to be. But as Christian believers, God says to us, your deepest identity is that you are in Christ. That is who you are. That however we've been treated or treated others, Whatever our performance, whether good or bad, whatever our desires, God says, I've united you to my son with this new story. That fact is what is most deeply true about you. And my hope for the next few weeks is that more and more our controlling self-understanding will be rooted in this, not in shifting, changing things, but in the secure God-given reality that we are in Christ. So assurance for us, and the other thing I'm hoping this leads to, is praising God. Maybe you're a practical kind of person, and so when you come to the Bible, the kind of stuff you ask is, uh, what am I meant to do? You know, what guidance is there here for my day-to-day -day decisions? How am I meant to relate to other people? There's nothing wrong with that, but... Uh, if that's you, I hate to disappoint you, but Paul doesn't give us any of that here. Later in Ephesians, he will. He's got lots to say about what it looks like to live for Jesus in our day-to-day -day lives. But he doesn't start with what God wants us to do for him. He starts with what God has done for us in Jesus. And as he thinks about God's grace in Christ, Paul's heart wells up with praise See it there, verse 3, praise be, verse 6, to the praise of his glory, verse 12, for the praise of his glory, verse 14 as well, to the praise of his glory. When Paul dwells on God's work in his son, he can't help praising him. And the goal is that as you and I listen to Paul, 
we join him in praising God. Not because we have to, but because our hearts well up with delight as we consider all he's done for us in Christ. And can I just say, if you're wondering, um, how is this useful? Uh, what's the point of all this in real life? What am I going to get out of it? Can I just say, this is the point. Praising God is the point of life. That might not seem very useful, but it's why we're here, to delight in who God is and what He's done in Christ. And if we want to grow in that, I hope the next few weeks will be really good for us. In other words, I'm praying, and you could pray too, that verses 2 and 3 will happen. That verse 2, these evenings will be a means of God's grace and assurance to us. And also verse 3, that they'll help us to praise our gracious God. Well, that's enough by way of preamble. Um, tonight, we're going to zoom in on the first six verses. And to help us get into that, I'd like you to, uh, if you can, picture the most privileged person you can imagine. Uh, for me, I picture a kind of combination of, of people like this. They've got the wealth of Elon Musk, they've got the fame of Beyonce, and they've got the general kind of presence of a Michael Portillo. Uh, if you've seen Great Ra Railway Journeys, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Um, the most privileged person you can imagine. Maybe you picture someone a bit like that. But actually, Paul would say, if you want to see the most privileged people tonight, all you have to do is look around. Look at the Christians. Because verse 3, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you get what he's saying? Christians are privileged people. In fact, whereas other privileged people might be discontent, wanting more and more, feeling sorry for themselves, Paul says Christians don't need to be like that because we've got it all, every spiritual blessing. God hasn't left anything out. And others might worry their privileges will go away. Share prices dip, fame wanes, mansions collapse. But Paul says Christian privileges are 100% secure in the heavenly realms, totally safe. And others might feel big-headed about their privileges, uh, brag and boast about what they've got for themselves. But Christian privileges are different. They're not things that we've achieved, but blessings we've received, uh, not given because we're special, but because we're in Christ, united to Him. And so these privileges don't give us big thoughts of ourselves, but lead us to praise the one who's been so good to us. Look, I realize we might not feel nearly as privileged uh, as those guys, but through Paul, God wants us to know how blessed we are in Christ. And so over the next few weeks, Paul's going to unpack our spiritual blessings, take the presents out from under the Christmas tree and unwrap them for us. And as he does, I feel I should, I should warn us that Paul is going to give us some meaty theology, big truths that we're going to have to chew over. And you might think, that is not my thing. Uh, I'm not into this theology stuff. That's for other people. 
This is where I check out. But before you switch off, remember why this is here. We need reassurance of who we are in Christ. It really matters that we understand ourselves. And we need help to praise God. I know my heart is often cold. And that's why this is here. That's why we need it, to help us with our assurance and our praise. And so tonight, we're going to bite off one chunk from what Paul says. Here's a headline for the rest of our time. Praise God for choosing us in Christ. Uh, look back with me at verse 4, if you would. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Let me just ponder that for two seconds while I uh, take a little drink. It's a warm night. Uh, a few words there, but lots packed in, I'm sure you realize. In particular, these verses, they raise the idea that God has chosen people, predestined people. That's a controversial idea. Let me say a few things before we get into that. This is difficult to think about. Maybe this is your first time coming across this idea, and you're not sure what to make of it. Or maybe it's the thousandth time, and for a long time you've struggled with the idea that God would choose certain people. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem fair. What about free will? How can God choose some and not others? And I, thanks, Martin, it's very kind. And I just want to acknowledge it's normal to wrestle with those kinds of questions. It would be strange if we didn't. Some Christians wrestle with this stuff for years, and we need time to think this stuff through. But the fact that it's difficult doesn't mean we ignore it. Sometimes people give the impression this isn't something for normal Christians to think about. Uh, salvation in Jesus, yes. Living a Christian life, yes. But all this predestination stuff, no, let's not talk about it. And certainly, let's hope no one brings it up with us uh, and asks us about it. But did you notice, Paul doesn't hide this stuff away in the small print. He fronts it right at the start of his letter. He begins with it. There are some mysteries God hasn't revealed to us in His Word, but He has seen fit to tell us about this. He wants us to think about it carefully, for sure. We handle this stuff with care, but God thinks this is something Christians should think about. And the thing I found most helpful uh, as I've thought about it this week is remembering Paul isn't just spouting some theology for no reason. He tells us this stuff with a purpose, to reassure us, not to unsettle us or raise doubts. This is here for believers in Christ to reassure us. Come back to the idea of a story. Paul says, here, here's where we've got to in our story. Verse 1, we are God's holy people, special in His sight. 
Verse 1, we are the faithful in Christ Jesus. Um, Faithful, that means we believe. We're full of faith. Verse 2, God is our Father. We're His adopted children. Those things are true of us right now, today, as people in Christ. The question is, how did we get here? How did we get to be God's holy people, believing in Jesus, part of God's family? What lies behind that? Well, we might look back and point to all sorts of things. The friend who invited us to a Christianity Explored course, the Christian family we grew up with, the church family who shared and lived the gospel before us, some particular book or conversation that helped us believe. But Paul would say, look further back to know how you got here. Look all the way back to before time began. We're God's holy people because verse 4, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. We're part of God's family because, verse 5, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. You see, that's how we got here. Yes, those people, books, conversations played a real part. But this is the reason why. We chose God because in eternity He chose us. And remember, this isn't here to unsettle us. It's here to reassure us that your salvation, your belonging to Jesus, is not an accident, not a fluke. You didn't just happen to become a Christian, luckily. It's that God chose you, planned to bring you into His family. And of course, this stuff blows our minds. You know, how did God choose me before I even existed? How even was there a time before time began? Blows our minds. But it is good. Did you see how verse 4 ends? In love, He predestined us. Paul saying, you were loved before time began. That's why you're a Christian. It's not that you managed to sneak into God's family behind His back when His back was turned. No, verse 5, it brought Him pleasure to choose you. Be reassured, you belong to Jesus, to God's family, because He wanted you. He chose you in eternity or you chose Him because in eternity He chose you. And if we find ourselves wondering, why me? I think that's a question that we're meant to ask. What is it about me that God would choose to set His love on me? Well, there's nothing about us. We had no input into God's decision. We weren't even around. And it's not that God kind of looked into the future and saw how good I'd be, uh, how holy and blameless, or he saw that I would choose to believe, and so therefore he chose me. No, Paul says nothing worthy about us motivated God's choice. It was just his pleasure and will to do us good. In fact, God chose us knowing we'd be unworthy, knowing the worst about us. And so verse 4 he chose us in Christ, the only one who is worthy, 
God chose us in Him, the beloved Son who from all eternity would give Himself for sinful people. We might ask, why doesn't God choose everyone? A better question is, why would God choose anyone? None of us are worthy to be chosen in ourselves, but God has graciously chosen us in the only worthy one, in Christ. Just a couple more things. I realize it's hot. Hang in there. Not all Christians agree on this stuff. Uh, like I suggested earlier, some of us might be wrestling it through. If it helps, I remember uh, reading an older Christian who was a bit cheeky. Uh, he asked, as a Christian, do you thank God for saving you? Well, of course you do. When you pray, you don't brag to God about how you saved yourself. Uh, you thank God for His grace in saving you. Well, this guy said, since you thank God for saving you, you sort of already believe in predestination, even if you don't really realize it. Which is a bit silly. But I think what he's saying is, uh, predest predestination is just saying as loudly as possible, in all caps, God saved me. God took the initiative to bring me to Jesus. If it was down to me, I never would have chosen Him. My will wasn't free. It was held in chains by sin. The reason I chose Him is because He graciously chose me. And so now I'll give Him thanks and praise for His grace to me. As we finish, I just want to address a question. Um, that some of us really could agonize over. How can I know that I'm chosen? You know, how can I know that God has chosen me? And I really feel for people who, who are agonized that way because, as I say, the purpose of these verses is not to make Christians wonder, am I chosen? It's to reassure you, you are chosen. That's what this is here for. God has chosen people in Christ, and if you're trusting in Him, this reassurance is for you. You were loved before time began. And if you're not yet a Christian believer, um, I'd just say, don't waste time trying to figure out whether God has chosen you. Don't waste time on that. Paul is writing this to Christians. If he was speaking to not yet Christians, he wouldn't say this he'd be saying something very different. He wouldn't say, figure out if you're chosen. He'd say something like, trust in Jesus, and you will be saved. That's a genuine offer to anyone who will listen. How does that fit with God choosing? Well, at the moment, if you're not yet a believer, it's like you're standing before a doorway, and above the door, one word is written, choose choose Christ. It's only after you've walked through the door and you look back that you see another word written on this side of the doorway, chosen, chosen in Him before the creation of the world. These are big things. Um, let's pray uh, and seek the Lord's help as we go into the week having, having heard. Our Father, thank you that your loving purpose is to reassure us of who we are in Christ and to lead us in joyfully praising you. 
And we pray, Father, that these big, uh, sometimes difficult truths uh, of you choosing us would, would lead to that, uh, not unsettling us, um, not, not giving us a kind of dark thoughts of you, but reassuring us, helping us to praise you for your grace. Um, uh, we pray that's what would happen as we share the Lord's Supper as well, um, that you would reassure us in Christ. And please, this week, help us to be confident of who we are in him and to joyfully praise you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh,